Welcome back to Digesting Fargo, where we're tackling the FX series Fargo one episode at a time. For this episode, we watched season four, episode number eight, titled The Nadir, and we're here to talk all about it. I am Zach Brooks, and I am joined by the chameleon to my lion, Aaron Brooks. Yes, how's it going? I may sound a little bit different this week as I'm trying to blend in in my new surrounding. So yeah, that's true. Yes, you, you are. You really are the chameleon this week. Um, yeah, I, I thought about also calling you the Mabel Har- Harvard to my Dr. Harvard, but uh, oh, maybe yeah. next week we'll get a chance to do that one. That would not be the first time we were married. So No, she said it, she was, was his sister. Her sister. Sir, or that, I, that would not be the first time I was your sister. Either. No, definitely. I'm sure de- during the dark days. Uh, dark days. <laughs> brother, In the dark sister. days. Yes. So, uh, all right. Well, we had a uh, very action-packed second half of episode number eight. So we're going to talk all about it. Of course, we're talking about Fargo every week here on the Digesting Fargo podcast. So make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on your podcatcher of choice and sending that feedback, digestingdarkpod at gmail.com. Still the old email address from the dark days. Uh, We did get some feedback in. Uh, oh, nice. Yes. Yeah, I know. Uh, and this relates to last week. So uh, Zach Peters, another Zach, he mentioned that he was listening to the Fargo pod last week. And we talked about how there wasn't anything science fictiony in season one and season two, just in season or season one and season three. Just how in season two, we talked about how there were the aliens that showed up at the end. And in this season, we have those ghosts that are showing up. We uh, definitely saw the ghosts in this episode uh, a little yes. bit more. And uh, I think there were a couple other, I feel like there might be a couple other potential references to ghosts in this episode. So he said, uh, technically, in season one, there was some science fiction-y fantasy type elements because Billy Bob Thornton is claims to be the devil himself. And in season three, Carrie Coon and Mary Elizabeth Winstead's characters are both meeting the wandering Jew, uh, who is a biblical figure. So there's biblical Great references catch. in season one and season three. Great catch. Yeah. Um, Again, you know, at, at some point I've been talking about going back and rewatching these seasons, um, but <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen at this point. I'll be honest. You only have a couple but, episodes, uh, a couple of weeks of the season left, so you better hurry up. Well, about, yeah, we have three more after this week, I believe. There's eleven total in this season. Yep. Yeah, we're going so, through the end of November. So yeah, so um, definitely will be interesting. But that's definitely feedback I really appreciate because I'm not going on to the subreddits or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Just because you never know. But if other people want to do that or go back on these seasons and give us these types of notes, I do appreciate them. And definitely there's uh, a supernatural presence to a lot more Coen Brothers work than I realized as I was, as I, as you kind of look into it. So, oh, really? Um, mm-hmm. it w- like, are there any other examples that come to mind? Well, Serious Man, the opening of a Serious Man for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's very, that's very religious and biblical. Very religious. But um, Buster Scruggs, it's littered throughout it. Oh, I've um, never seen Buster Scruggs. Uh, that would be a great movie ladder. Maybe I'll suggest it for another podcast yeah. at some point. Because uh, there's I've been wanting to see to it. Connect with that. Yeah, I wanted to see it. Um, it's been on my watch list for a while, but I've just never gotten around to it. Yeah, so. yeah, it's a lo- it's a long one, but um, it's 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 definitely got uh, some good peaks in there. Well, and that one's three or four different stories, right? It's kind of antho- It's an anthology, sort of like this show. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This okay. and this show is get this, especially this season, feels less of an anthology than any of the other seasons. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't know I if don't I've, know how much I don't know if I've mentioned that, but like I 
I like that they're doing that, but it's just not clear enough the ties to season two. And season two aired, what year do you think season two was? Was that like 2016? I would guess at least four years ago. 2015. So season two was five years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like, I don't, I mean, it's hard to remember back to then. And yeah, I guess I could go to the, the subreddit, but I'm like you said, I'm not going back to the subreddit. So no. And I mean, that's part of why I think when we're breaking this down on podcasts, we're taking it by the season and what the season's giving us. So mm-hmm. it shouldn't rely on us having to remember something from five years ago. Right. Um, you know, especially in a show that doesn't have an implication to the continuity of the seasons being so important or mm-hmm. order of things. But I, I think it's more being treated as an extra, an extra morsel or a deeper way to enjoy the season for those people. Maybe. Mm-hmm. So because we got kind of got to take our, perspective is here even though we've seen it and what we remember so but yeah either way i loved this episode um i think this was the best of the season i think that uh it really had some truly surprising moments um yes agreed and i think the first really big surprise that i can remember from this or or two big surprises in my opinion Mm -hmm. um and that is what i've been waiting for from this season so um and it didn't just feel like shock for shock's sake i felt pretty earned and i'm really curious to see the fallout of it in these final couple because i think the fallout it just further throws gas onto the fire or whatever your you know cliche of choices a ring of fire so to speak is now spreading from between the fadas and the cannons particularly i mean you really are seeing the can of cannon fada right um, poor poor mrs mrs fada uh Ma- mama fada didn't make it out of this episode no 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 she did not um rap mama fada we hardly yeah, so now it. it's now it's personal between uh between the cannons and the fathers i mean we loy still thinks his son is dead um i think we debated if he actually thought that i think it's pretty clear he thinks his son is dead at this point i don't think mm-hmm. there's any debate there especially from the moves he's making and now uh jousto and gitano know that their mother is dead so now right. they've lost, in addition to their father, they've now lost their mother as well. Yep. So, um, yeah, I think what's interesting that this season has done is it's kind of applied the Fargo formula to gang warfare, right? So we have, you know, usually it's like a crime happens or murder happens, kidnapping happens, and things spiral out of control from there. This is really this war escalating based on just people making poor moves and having bad judgment. And we're seeing them them grow that way or those problems grow so yeah yeah um you know i i think this is i've watched some interviews with noah holly before on fargo and his kind of approach to fargo and he really does want to take chances and make this make fargo happen in different settings both time and kind of just in general with gang as opposed to like local police war Mm -hmm. police um so it may, you know, be at the end of all of this, we look at this compared to the other seasons and maybe it's not our favorite. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, I can admit that this far into a season that I prefer the other seasons so far. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um, you know, this season feels a little bit spinning its wheels in the snow, uh, mm-hmm. so to speak. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just like some of the stuff like just doesn't feel like 
it's going anywhere. And right. And I think that's how that's I feel too. The point, but yeah. yeah. Like, and we do still have a couple more episodes and I think that things are going to start coming together, but we have seen now the end of the Duffy character. And what was the point of that was the point that's a this is something that at any point can happen with the Coen brothers character Mm -hmm. and the point can kind of be there wasn't one and i mean the i love the death of duffy actually i really did because everybody's like it's timothy oliphant he's like blah 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 he's just Mm -hmm. more weight and the fact that he gets a gut shot from what from just a wuss of a character kind of but in just like a moment of panic Mm -hmm. and that look on his face as he's dead just looking i'm like really well you did uh, it. like it was just a frozen look i I, it, I thought it was you know for a character that everybody was waiting for a big payoff from i think the payoff was worth it even though it wasn't one i like that yeah well and then fargo had to kill off timothy oliphant's character so he could go beyond the mandalorian he had to dye his hair gray and go beyond the mandalorian yeah yeah which i i'm not watching the mandalorian but i did hear his hair looks really cool on there very gray yeah it's a uh, silver fox on the mandalorian yeah, so. so that wouldn't have fit in at all. So, you know, they they just had to make a executive decision there. Right. But yeah, it's I mean, it's 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 a little bit Fargo flavored, but when it really tries to be Fargo, I'm finding myself kind of a little bit like uh, okay. when it tries to be Fargo the show, tries to be Fargo the movie, or just tries when it to tries be to be Fargo the show, honestly. When it, mm-hmm. it when it's not just like as weird as that sounds, even though it like I, and just like certain, I don't know, Chris Rock's character kind of just still isn't working for me. And when he like almost looks at Cameron and goes, Fargo. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, like, uh, I don't think that was supposed to be like funny. What's the, the, the name of the show? They just wanted to make sure that you knew. Right, right. It's like that family guy bit where like, you know, he goes to see Philadelphia in the movie theaters. He's waiting for him to say the name. But it's like, I mean, I don't think it was supposed to be tongue in cheek there where he's like, oh, saying Fargo, like Billy Bob Thornton could pull off some real some of that humor where it was almost like breaking the fourth wall in the first season where Mm -hmm. I think there were a few times where he'd like be like looking right at the camera almost like, but I'm not I'm finding I'm having a hard time with Loy. Yeah, I, but I do think that Jason Schwartzman as Jousto, he makes me laugh. And the thing I love about Fargo the movie specifically is like how funny, how darkly funny that movie is. Mm-hmm. And I think the first season especially of this show was had that sense of humor and slowly kind of moved away from that. And just as you're talking about Chris Rock, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I don't find myself really laughing that much when I watch this show. Not like uh, I did, definitely not like the movie and not like I feel like I did in the other seasons as well. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm a huge fan of Jason Schwartzman. I think him and um, Jesse Buckley, who plays Orietta, finally have been able to say May- Mayflower's name correctly. Orietta, after seven episodes. Are but, you watching the other? Speaking of uh, Jesse Buckley, isn't Jesse Buckley in that chess show, um, The Queen's Gambit? I haven't started The Queen's Gambit yet, but uh, she was in one of my favorite movies of the year. I'm thinking of ending things with Jesse Clemens. I might be watching that in this this or week. Plemons. Oh, Jesse Clemens, who of uh, Fargo season two fame. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, all sorts of ladders, shoots and ladders. Yeah, um, I, I will be watching that movie shortly. I think. Um, no, Jesse Buckley is not in The Queen's Gambit. Anna Taylor Joy is, and she kind of looks like Jesse Buckley on the poster. So well, she's my she's one of my other like. Right, I was going to say if it's Jesse Rush Buckley one. and Anna Taylor Joy, uh, I should already watched it all. Right, people um, are saying The Queen's Gambit is really good. 
Um, well, I mean, it's got Anya in it, so I should already watch it. I apologize. Anya Taylor Joy, not Anna yeah, yeah, not Anya. Midsommar, yeah. Anya. I have a lot of <laughs> Midsummer. I can pronounce all your. Yeah. I like how everybody's coming around. Sorry, to, we're getting off track just for a second, but I like how everybody's come on track with Midsommar. Everybody mm-hmm. was saying Midsummer, and they're like, "Oh, we're just guys." And now well, everybody says Midsummer. Everybody's accepted it now. Well, I think like I, a, it hurt it because it came out in the summertime. I think that if it came out in the winter, people wouldn't have wanted to call it Midsummer. They would be like, "Well, it's not Midsummer; it's Midsummer." Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was listening we'll to a podcast for... from like over a year ago, and it was shortly after Midsummer came out, and they were like, "Have you seen this new movie, Midsummer, yet?" And I, yeah, I was like, oh, we don't call it that. It's just anymore. like slowly. Yeah, I mean, I was always on the Midsummer, and like people kind of looked at me funny at first. So I'd say, "I'm like, but it's what it is." And then slowly, yeah. people. It's funny how the internet and everything works. But back to Far Fargo, no yeah. controversy there because well, of the we, I mean, we do we do have trouble naming some of the people or pronouncing some of the names. But uh, Jousto, we do have Jousto. We have that correct now. And Gaetano, that one's easy. So yeah. Um, what do you think of Gaetano and his reaction to being a prisoner and then finding out that kind of Jousto used him? Oh, I think he is uh, not honest with Joe with Jousto like he's going to kill Jousto um I think especially now that their mother has been killed because Jousto told Loy that he killed the kid when he didn't um Gatano is not going to let that go because of Jousto's actions their mother is dead yeah before that though I do think he was serious about wanting about uh, I still didn't think Jousto. he was serious I thought oh, that when okay. he punched I, I wrote this out when he punched out Jousto and Jousto's mm-hmm. knocked out for a while. And then it's just Gatano and the rest of the Fada gang together. I think that they hatched a plan while, while Jousto was knocked out. Mm-hmm. And then Jousto came too, and he's like hugging him. He's like, my brother, I love you. I'm so proud of you. And I just didn't buy it. Okay. Yeah, I I, I did kind of buy it just because I, th- I felt like he was waiting to see a truly ruthless side of Jousto. Mm-hmm. And even if it was at the potential cost of Gaetano, since it wasn't, he now saw Jousto was willing to like do he's, whatever. He's it proud took of to him, win. basically. Like, yeah, he's like, if I was in this situation, I would have done whatever it takes to win. Not in the same way as Jousto, because he uses force. Jousto uses kind of maneuvering. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, but he, like, at the end of the day, what Gaetano wanted to see was a monster. But now I agree with you with his mother, di- with the mother dying. That changes things because yeah, he's, he's aware that because he's aware the son isn't dead, also. Mm-hmm. so it's like yeah um it is interesting how jousto and gatano use like their tactics match their physical appearance like the lion and the chameleon really is a good a good way to describe them because uh gatano is the he's the big you know I, I don't know if i would say lion maybe like bull but he's the big strong you know he'll go busting up in there and Jousto is gonna maneuver his way just like in the first scene of the episode um we see Jousto trying to politically maneuver his way in there with his fiance's dad who's running for uh for mayor yep so um and as the episode starts i mean that, just to get right into the into like kind of we don't have to go quite as much scene by scene but like to the episode starts with Jousto having dinner with his or having lunch or dinner with his fiance and her dad. And mm-hmm. they're talking about when to have the wedding and Jousto suggests having the wedding on election day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I thought that was good timing. Yes. Uh, and the, the mayor, I don't, I don't have his name right in front of me, but um, he, 
the guy who's running for mayor, his, his future father-in-law says, uh, they're talking about how they have to wait for the dead to cast their votes. And I was like, wow, they really plan. I mean, they didn't mean to have this come out now, but it's like, well, uh, black sheep, uh, black sheep starring Chris Farley and David Spade also was quite prophetic into, uh, oh, I, how, how the election was won. Oh, wow. Yeah. I guess I'll have to yeah, go back to there, the There's sheep. also, there, yeah, because they use dead, uh, Dead, rec- dead people to vote as well. And Chris Farley reveals it at the end to allow his brother Al Donnelly to win. So <laughs> vote for Donnelly. There you go. Yeah, vote for Donnelly. Um, so, yeah, so, it, you know, just just very fortuitous timing for everything with this show. The fact that we're seeing so much Christmas decorations on the show now. And um, I've started seeing Christmas lights up, even though it's early November. Uh, Christmas beers are out. I mean, it's, you know, Christmas creep on Fargo and in real life is happening. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Thank, and this was supposed to air in what, like May, I think, June. Yeah, yeah. It would have been really weird to see a, most of these scenes in the summer. To be honest, it's been a pretty cold, like autumn, like mm-hmm. kind of autumn color palette, like a lot of browns and oranges. Right. And, I mean, okay. just in general, this seems like a cold weather show. I don't think of summer with Fargo. Yeah, that's true. They should not air this in the midsummer. I don't think midsummer. <laughs> yeah, not in the middle of summer. Yeah, no. Really um, so do you think so they're talking about getting married on election day now election day is normally as we know uh normally in november and this is this show is taking place around christmas time so are they talking about having the wedding like almost a year later then i yeah i guess um seems like a long time to wait if they've been engaged for a while already well but i mean i think part of what the mayor is waiting to i i'm guessing the mayor must have a an agreement with the father of Jousto or had an agreement with the father mm-hmm. Jousto. Right. And it was probably hinging on control of the city. And mm-hmm. if he doesn't have control over this particular city, what what would he be doing getting his daughter involved with a dirty Italian? Exactly. Which is what they think at this point. Yeah. And that's why he, the father wants, not the father, the father wants to wait until June because he wants to make sure that he's, uh, or he maybe, I guess he wants to have it in June before the wedding because he wants to have that control he wants to have the wedding before. Well, I don't no, know. Jousto wants the wedding before. Yeah, Jousto wants the wedding before the election. The mayor wants the wedding the following June because he wants to. He um, wants to make sure they won. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So there, which implies that there's something that the Italians that the Jousto that Jousto and the Fadas are doing to ensure the election. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Otherwise, why would what is he getting? offered from them true yeah and um and maybe he's just waiting too because he knows that there's this war going on between the fathers and the cannons and the longer he can wait before having his daughter marry into this family he can make sure that the fathers don't lose before yeah um, before the election mm-hmm. so um and we go right from there to jousto uh with his other relationship with uh dr mayflower or uh, nurse mayflower not quite a doctor yet um and we see that Nurse Mayflower in the bedroom is similar to Nurse Mayflower in uh, the hospital because she likes to put pain on her patients. So she's putting the pillow over Jousta's face and suffocating him, tying him to the bedpost. Um, I think, is this the first we've really seen this side of their relationship? We've seen them get sexual before, but not like masochistic like this. I mean, she didn't she choke him in a previous... There was the, I'm trying to remember, there was the episode where they were in bed together and I just don't remember. In the car, in in the the car car. with the hand job, I'm pretty sure she's choking him as she's doing Mm, it. Could be. So there's like, and I, I mean, I know at least one other time there. And then 
I mean, when they first meet each other, he's trying to get painkillers, I think, from her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some so, sort of drugs but, in, the, in the in the janitor's closet at the hospital. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's like kicking him around here and just like, you know, it, it adds up for them, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. They see, she seems to be kind of connected to him. And, yeah, they're both freaks, and, basically. Yeah. Yeah, but Justice says that he's in love with her, uh, which I mean, she she's freaked out for another reason. I don't think that's why she freaks out. Um, you know, she's freaked out because she found out Dr. Harvard survived her murder attempt. Yep. And this is when she calls in the hospital, tries to get some information to check on him, and uh, says that she's Mabel Harvard, his sister. And, yeah. Um, then when she finds out, then Jasta comes back, and you know, Jasta talks a little bit about his background. Um, we learn a little bit more about just what it was like with him living with the Irish and that the Irish did terrible things to him, mistreated him. And, um, you know, you, you forget, at least I forget that Jousto was in the same situation as his brother zero, as rabbi Milligan, um, as Satchel, like all of these kids who were traded away by their fathers because they wanted power. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it was interesting to, to hear him get a little bit serious there because he is like such a goofball all the time. Yeah. Yeah. He, and it was, I thought it was also interesting as he was trying to kind of do some trauma unloading on nurse Mayflower. She was like not wanting to hear it. And right. maybe that again, went back to the phone call. She had just received. Yeah, I think she's just distracted basically. Yeah. You know, but it's still, he noticed that too. And he was confused by that mm-hmm. also. So yeah, who knows what that, Place as we move forward right so and yeah i'm curious where i mean so she you know we'll, we'll get to where she's headed but um i was expecting at this point when she found out that dr harvard was alive that she was going to ask Jousto to kill him so i was kind of surprised that wasn't where the story went it might still be going that direction it would make sense but now i mean that the father family is going to be very tied up they're not going to have time to like take mm-hmm. care of mayflower's yeah. uh, assassination attempts murder yeah attempts. that's true so, um, so uh, then you know we stick with Jousto. I We got a lot of Jousto to open this episode, which made me worried that he was going to get killed at the end, just mm-hmm. because of how much we got of him. Because um, then this is when we get Gaetano. He's back with the family, and he's all bloodied and beaten up. And then he beats up Jousto. He throws him through the table. It was like you know like a wrestling match or something. That's what it reminded mm-hmm. me of. Um, and. But then, then after he knocks out Jousto, Jousto wakes up and he says he's proud of him. Um, and they talk, you know, they talk about how, uh, you know, like Katano pledges his loyalty and uh, Jousto says that he'll kill him if he betray- betrays the family, which I just don't know if Jousto would ever actually pull the trigger on Katano himself. He would put other people on it, but he's never going to be the one to pull the trigger. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just really don't think that Gaetano would think I'm going to knock him out and make a plan and then wake him up. That's not how Gaetano rolls. It's true. He does not. Pl- that's, he, that is true. He does not plan. He just barrels through. Um, yeah, I just think he was like, oh, you're an animal, too. Like he saw the animal or feels like he saw the animal mm-hmm. he needed to. So yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. But, well, did you notice how much they showed Ebal in this? Um, yeah, he seems like he really is so made- skeptical. Of something which makes me think maybe it's your idea maybe he saw gaetano chip planning and he knows if gaetano takes over this is really really over it's already Mm. pretty bad with jousto if gaetano takes over this whole family is screwed Mm -hmm. yeah it's like very political so maybe he did witness what 
your theory is. So yeah. now, I'm, because I can't really think of why else, because he, Evil hasn't shown he's had a problem with Chow, so he's shown a lot of problems with Gaetano. Right. And because, I mean, Gaetano killed Dr. Senator, who was, you know, Evil's peer. Um, they were on the opposite side, but they were like, they were on the same level. And Evil yeah. um, is smart, Evil is, is cunning. And, you know, it would be like Gaetano, like a bow in the China shop to just talk about this plan openly and not think about who he's talking about it in front of and how it could affect him. Yeah. So. Yeah, I could. I'm really not sure. I think we'll have some clarity pretty soon. On yeah, that. I just think everything has been derailed by this attack at the end. So I just don't know how we get back to this plan because now they have to get their revenge back against the Cannon family. Yeah, so that's true. I mean, a lot can happen in three episodes of this show. So, um, and then we briefly see Loy before the opening credits, and this is when Loy delivers your line that now we're going to do Fargo. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, they didn't, I guess they didn't tie that up with the opening credits. I think the opening credits actually were earlier. With, they were during the choke scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they could have saved him for there. Cause they could, he could have said Fargo and then the screen could have shown Fargo and zoomed in. Yeah. That would have been too on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we see Loy's wife arriving at the Smutney funeral home. She says she wants to see her son. I was very confused by this. I thought maybe she thought Satchel's body was there. Um, or like, was this, did this have to do with the ghosts again? Like, what were, what was this about? Then I remembered that, uh, that Lemuel is there because this is where they're storing, this is where the Cannon family is storing things. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, we just haven't seen her that much. So it was like hard to care about this scene. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, do her and Debrell have history? They were, she was kind of talking about like growing up down the street from her, but I couldn't tell if she literally grew up down the street or if she means like, metaphorically we've had the same background i mean i think it was a metaphor mm-hmm. because like but i don't know like i just don't think there was that much in this scene for how much time was spent on it yeah we spent a lot of time the light was coming in weird and we have seen ghosts in the in the house and uh, there's some ghosts in this house and um <laughs> i i wondered if if maybe we were going to get something with the ghost showing up or when she says, I'm here to see my son, you know what I mean? Like, is there, I just thought maybe there was something like metaphysical going on. Yeah. But uh, I don't think so. I think it was just for Lemuel. Yeah. Um, well, they do share a drink and at least on Hulu, there were lots of ads for Jack Daniels. So this was the uh, like good product placement, I guess. No, good. I th- I, if they were drinking Jack Daniels. I, I watch right. I, I, I watch ad-free Hulu. Oh, look at you, money bags. Uh, <laughs> um, I do not. But uh, <laughs> there are uh, you know lots of Christmas commercials on Hulu. Speaking of the Christmas creep, every com- every other commercial was a Christmas commercial, and it is November 9th. Too early. Well, in honor of the pandemic, we're going to now be doing Black Friday shopping for longer to be more responsible with your poor consumer habits. Uh, it's really sweet how the all the corporations and stores are thinking about how to not give you um, COVID by you know saying right. just just shop slower and longer. Yeah, uh, you know nobody took vacations this year, so everybody's got a little extra spending money. So you know get that sixty inch TV for the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, lots of tangents on this episode tonight, um, and we haven't even gotten to the big death scene. Uh, but uh, then we get Ethel, Rita, and Lemuel. Do you think that there is some future romance between Ethel, Rita, and Lemuel? Debrell does not want that to happen. Yeah, which means it probably will. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it, there's you know there seem to be interest from both. 
Yeah. Uh, um, Etherita's older than I expected. I didn't realize she was 17. Yeah. 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 I remember it was her 17th birthday. Uh, oh, she, yeah. That's, that's true. She probably actually is a 17 year old actress. That's what it means. Because usually, like, 17 year olds are played by like 24 year olds in shows. So in movies. So you're just like, oh my God. What a young. No, that's just what 17 year olds actually look like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like it when I'm they cast, when right. they cast 30, 30 somethings to play high schoolers because it just makes me feel young. Yeah, so. which which we all could use. Yes. Uh, well, we'll see. They talked a lot about jazz. They talked about um, like who did they talk about? Dizzy Gillespie, um, Louis Armstrong, Louis Armstrong. Who's you know that's uh, Lemuel is such a hipster. He's like, oh, everybody always says Louis Armstrong. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't know real jazz. Um, uh, Charlie Baker was that the other one? Is that the is that the one that they reference in Whiplash I, a lot? I th- I think so, but I don't want to say for sure in case yeah, I'm wrong. Uh, well, Charlie Baker is the uh, governor of Massachusetts. Charlie so. Charlie Day is the in yeah. It's not Charlie Day. I think it is Charlie Baker. Um, yeah, I don't know. Every time I hear about jazz, I'm like, oh, I should listen to more jazz because I really don't. But uh, they talk a lot about too that Ethel Rita likes to have some structure in her jazz, whereas Lemuel just likes free for all. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you know, your music really represents who you are as a person. Right. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, if you had to put that onto uh, Gatano and Jousto, you would say Jousto likes to have the structure and Gatano just likes free-for-all. Even though, interestingly, Gatano, whenever they show him, is uh, playing, there's uh, classical orchestra music in the background. Yep. Um, all right, anyway, so then we get back to the Nurse Mayflower. She's back in the, in the hospital and uh, finds out Dr. Harvard has been transferred out of state because of the attempted murder and that they think he's poisoned. But what they're really concerned about is the assassination attempt that happened in the first episode or maybe the second episode. And that mm-hmm. was a result of Jousto. Yep. So this is tying back. The only reason why Dr. Harvard is transferred out is because of Jousto's actions in the first episode. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we don't know where he's transferred. Do you think he's transferred up to Fargo? Do you think that might be where he's going? Mm, not sure. I, he may just be gone. Yeah, it seems it seems very far. I mean, I think we're gonna find out where he's at because uh, I would assume. I mean, Mayflower packs up and she goes. Well, she's was going to go on the run until she finds out the Rita's notebook. So maybe she sticks around now. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think it kind of turns into like uh, No Country for Old Men type of situation with Orietta and Ethelita here. Where in what? Orietta's kind of trying to track down Ethelita from Mm -hmm. here on out, and it ends up killing her. Um, I mean, this is going to end up being the the situation that I predicted, right? Uh, um, Zelmar is going to go back to the funeral home because she's on the run because she almost got arrested and killed. She's going to get there right as Nurse Mayflower is trying to kill Ethelita, and she's going to kill Nurse Mayflower. Mm-hmm. Either that or Lemuel is going to save Ethelita. But Ethelita is not dying. Uh, Nurse yeah. Mayflower is dying. Ethelita is living. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you're right. Um, then we get these, uh, the confrontation between Duffy and Loy and um, some good lines in here. One that really sums up the like the tone of, of Fargo. And, uh, and Loy says to Duffy, it's not what you say. It's the way that you're on friendly, like you're doing me a favor, which is really the way that people in Fargo are, that they're doing mm-hmm. these terrible things, but they do it with a smile on their face. They do it with this nice Midwestern accent, mm-hmm. um, but actually are doing terrible things. Right. So, um, but Duffy just, he's just a man on the mission. He just wants to catch Zalmar and Swanee, and then he's out of there. Uh, 
Loy tells him, don't come back. He says, you're not welcome here. So when you, when you go to the train station, don't come back over state lines. Mm-hmm. Um, but Loy eventually uh, does give up where Zamar and Swanee are. Yep. So, um, and I did think this was a good move by Deathly. The, the way that he gets Loy to give it up is Loy talks about how he's a family man, that he's, uh, that he's so loyal to, uh, to the people who work with him. And Deffy points out that if you're so loyal, why would you just give up your youngest son in this trade um, to, with your enemy? Yeah. So, and it's a good point. Like, Loy mm-hmm. claims that he's this family man. He claims he's so religious, and this is this is the way he acts. Mm-hmm. So, um, and Loy, obviously, this is a touchy, very touchy for Loy because he's so upset about his Satchel being dead. I Do you think Loy's ever going to find out that Satchel's alive? Probably right before he dies. Oh, you think so? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking they would come back, but I guess if they haven't come back to him yet, I mean, who knows where Rabbi Milligan and Satchel are? We haven't seen him in a couple episodes. Nope. They might just be on the run in Fargo or somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. So then uh, Loy, uh, Loy, tells, uh, Loy calls up the police station. He talks to Wef and he tells him he wants to make sure that they get Zomar and Swanee. Do you think Wef claims he was talking to Loy? Do you think Wef was talking to Loy? He still is under both Loy and, uh, and the, the, FADA, um, the FADA control. So what, at which part were you? This is when they're meeting in the, they're in the police station and mm-hmm. Deffy is starting to get everybody ready for this big raid on the, on the train station. And, um, and then Wef is, uh, Wef is telling them that he got a phone call and he says that it was Loy that called him. And he said, he wants to make sure that oh. they, they don't bring Z- Z- Zelmar and Swanee back. Hmm. So you think it was Jousto? Could have been Jousto. I we never see who's on the other line. And based on the way that Wef acts in this episode, that um, Wef takes out Deffy. I mean, I think we could we can really get into the next. Maybe it's better for the next scene to talk yeah. about that because the way that Wef acts, I'm just not sure where his orders were coming from. I think he may have just snapped. It could be, um, but I, I think but he just had enough with. He just had enough with um, like he was just taking agency mm-hmm. at this point. I don't know. I do think there's a bit of PTSD with Wef because um, when Wef walks in, there's all these dead bodies everywhere. And it probably mm-hmm. gave him flashbacks to being in the war and the people that died because of him, him not taking action quick enough, him not being thorough enough with his bomb sweeping. He sees yep. all the dead bodies. He's literally walking through a war zone, all these innocent people who have been killed. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to know exactly what what caused but i mean he kills he tries to kill both swanee and zomar he only succeeds in killing swanee he kills uh he kills deffy as well and you know this is in like true fargo sense that uh zomar gets away it's always Mm -hmm. what happens so um but zomar knows that he tried to kill her yeah we saw the big ghost over uh, yes, we see shoulder. the yeah we see the ghost. Uh, it's both the clearest display. Yeah, both Zomar and Swanee both separately see that ghost. Yeah. So Swanee, um, you know, as we're in the train station, which I thought this was like this scene had so much tension built up mm-hmm. in it. Um, we're watching that. Best year of the season. Yeah, it reminded me of um, it reminded me a lot of Untouchables with the stairs. Um, have you seen the Untouchables, mm-hmm. the um, Al Capone yep. movie? Yeah, the, like that famous scene with the stairs, the the climactic moment of the Untouchables. It reminded me of Bonnie and Clyde with the two of them just 
kissing and, and knowing that they're not going to survive and just just shooting um mm-hmm. you know pop fiction a little bit as well um mm-hmm. with the couple i mean you could you can pull a lot of different movies from this scene um yeah and i think in this scene and then in a couple other scenes during this episode the music and the score was really really good it just really built up the tension really got you in the mood for for watching this yeah, and sometimes what scores do that really bothers me is they give away their next move a little bit mm-hmm. too much, and it did not do this with this. No, score. because, and I agree, I actually was very surprised. This was the most surprising moment for me when um, when I wasn't that surprised when Wef killed Deffy just because they had such a contentious relationship and Deffy knew about some of the things that Wef had done, so like he wants to get Deffy off the board. But then when he kills Swanee as well. Um, yeah that yeah that was definitely the one that got me the most mm -hmm. um she was one of my favorite characters in the show Mm -hmm. but i like when my shows kill my favorite character off especially in just a random episode right yeah not it's not the penultimate it wasn't even the last scene of the episode there's another scene after this yeah Um, although you might not have known that when you were watching it i thought this was the end of the episode yeah it did feel like the end of the episode but yeah that um and that so was deffy killed first Yes, it was definitely. He kills Deffy, and then he shoots Swanee, and then he misses on Zelmar, and Zelmar runs away. So it's like who would? So who would have given the orders to have all three of them killed? It'd be Jousto, or Loy, because Loy told. Because what what Wef says is that Loy doesn't want them to come back because then they're going to know that Loy gave them up. Because oh, the only way yeah. that the only way that the police would know where Zamar and Swanee were is because Loy told Loy. them. Nobody else knows that they were at the police station. So it does lead station. me to believe that Loy would be the one to give the order. Yeah, that's true. And he just was killing Deffy because of uh, maybe to make them feel more safe, but also it's good for him I mean, to have Deffy kn- dead. Yeah, and he knew Loy wasn't a fan of Deffy. Mm-hmm. From what Deffy what true, was yeah, Deffy, so. yeah. Even if it wasn't, it was his opportunity to like kind of take mm-hmm. agency. Or- yeah, it reminds me a lot. There's an episode of Lost where um, there's two characters that get killed at the end of the episode in a shooting. And the first one is surprising. And then the second one is really surprising. Mm-hmm. And um, it reminded me of that where it's like, oh, that's, whoa, they killed Deffy. Um, and, mm-hmm. but then you assume that like Swanee and Zomar are going to be okay. And they were not. So. Yeah. Yeah, and so yeah, and Swanee Swanee goes down. She kind of had a smile right before, thinking like, "All right, he's gonna work with us. He killed this mm-hmm. guy or something." Like, and that was like some classic Fargo gore too. I mean, a huge like shot her right in the face, and mm-hmm. um, there were a lot of dead civilians as he's walking in. Like that that shootout in the train station killed a ton of people. Do you think that was all just crossfire? Those people. I mean, I guess nobody was intentionally killed, but like. I mean, I, do you think the police were just shooting random, like just shooting wildly? Or do you think this was all, like Zelmar had that machine gun. Do you think Zelmar was just shooting into the air like crazy? Yeah, I think it was kind of just both sides being reckless, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the cops doing whatever they could to get the two people and the collateral damage in the middle is just, you know, cannon fodder, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. Um, sort of like, like the, and it really was like the end of Bonnie and Clyde, at least like, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't think all those buyers are responsible from Zomar. And it was a lot Zomar. of dead. I was surprised how many dead people. Um, yeah. There were. So I think that this is like part of like how, once again, the police are completely right re- as reckless as the criminals. You can't mm-hmm. tell who's who. Yeah, that's true. You can't tell who's who and you can't tell, uh, what they did, you right. know, who did what. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's, I think that's 
that's intentional for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, WEF, you know, just, just to point out, the reason why WEF wasn't in there to begin with was because WEF couldn't get over his anxiety to get out of the car. He kept unlocking and locking the car multiple times. Mm-hmm. He's talked earlier about how it wasn't, this isn't just PTSD, but this is, he needs to be in control. The reason why he's a cop is to have that control. And yep. um, so we got a lot more about WEF as well in this episode. Mm-hmm. And we will get to update our uh, survival ratings as well. Yeah, my, my pool is looking less yeah. and less full. Yeah. So then we get our final scene. Uh, Jousto and Gatano are out celebrating. There's a bonfire going in. Uh, Mother Fada calls them in. And uh, I think that's the first we've seen her. I don't Maybe we probably saw her at the funeral, but I do not remember this character before this. Yeah. Scene. Yeah. Not too much. No, yeah, I don't think we even have her name, but um, then it switches to like a first person perspective, almost like a wolf. I thought like, mm-hmm. a, like a, you would see like a werewolf movie. And we get a split screen of the attack. We do see more of this attack than we did of the uh, police of the train station raid. And mm-hmm. um, I'm assuming that's Mort Kellerman. I mean, we yeah, I couldn't yeah, tell, but yeah, it's like an old white guy. But yeah, yeah. so it's uh, this is when when Loy talked about calling up Fargo. This is what he meant. So, mm-hmm. Fargo. Yeah, um, but Jousto and Gatano are the only ones to survive. Um, everybody else was cannon fodder. So. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we lost any like name characters besides uh, their mother. Nope. um, And the Kellermans just ran away. I guess they sent the message and they didn't finish the job. Yeah, I guess. So uh, shots fired as a result of Jousto's uh, Jousto. I mean, this is just another move on the chessboard between Jousto and Loy. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine that they're going to return fire next week. So. you know, may, maybe next, maybe that's what we see. Maybe we see an attack next week on the funeral home because um, because Lemuel is going to be there and some of the other people in the canon group are going to be there. Yeah, it could be. So, um, but yeah, we'll see. So next week's episode is called East slash West. So it seems like that would be a you know battle between the two different sides. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else that could be. Do, do we go over what this week's episode went? It was the Nadir, and we talked about it last week. Um, okay. And, I mean, I feel like the Nadir also sometimes means, like, the peak, like the climactic okay. moment. Um, but so like the climax. Yeah, it, like- yeah, it's like the top the top point, basically. Um, okay. So, you know, one definition, the Nadir is the direction pointing directly below uh, a particular location. Mm-hmm. So um, that is two vertical directions at a specified location, but also the Nadir of American race relations was the period of history in the United States between the end of Reconstruction in 1877 through the early 20th century when racism in the country was worse than at any other period during the nation's history. So it does kind of have a double meaning. Um, no. Although I don't feel like we saw a lot of highly racial things in this episode besides the conversation between Loy's wife and Debrell. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was the the really big big race moment in this episode where they talked about their history growing up, how they have similar backgrounds. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So uh, next week is East West, so we do need to do uh, our MVP and safety draft. So to update the safety draft, I have Rabbi Milligan, Satchel, Loy Cannon, and Weff. Everybody's still alive, even though yes. a lot of people think Satchel and Rabbi Milligan are dead. And mm-hmm. you have Ethel Rita, Doctor Senator Swanee. And yeah. Deffy, so you only have Ethel Rita back. Ooh, I do. I am worried about Ethel Rita now. Um, yeah, Kiss you're doing worse is... in this draft than your fantasy team. 
Yeah, yeah, doing worse in the draft than the Lions do. Yeah. Um, Atharita is like your Dalvin Cook at this point. Yeah, yeah, she just she just is stuck on a team with nobody. So, <laughs> oh man, my MVP of this week's episode. Um, it's a hard. It's hmm. a hard week to give an MVP. Um, yeah, I think um, I know. I'm gonna say Weff. He made a big boy wow. move at the end. Ooh, all right. Um, and he took out two of my death pools, so I've got to give him an MVP for that. That's true. I He's on my team. My team. Yeah. He just needed to go run over to Etherita's house and pop her real yeah. quick. Just, <laughs> You'll I be just, the only person in America cheering when Etherita dies next week. You know, or I guess I will be. You want her to be safe, but yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, I need need her to hang on. Yeah. Um, I don't know who to give mine to. I'm inclined to give it to Gatano. Um, I just think he's making the better moves and I think he's going to get the upper, but he did lose his mother this episode. I can't give it to Jousto. Loy made some good moves, but I think it's, he's acting impulsively because he thinks his son's dead and his son is not dead. Um, yeah, I don't know what Ethel Rita started talking to Lemuel. That's good for her. Maybe. Um, yeah, I guess I'm going to give it to Gatano. Um, which actually puts Gatano in the season lead with three MVP points. So Gatano's uh, three, Rabbi Milligan and Loy have two, Ethel Rita, Mayflower, Dr. Harvard, Thurman, Smutney, Dr. Senator, Swanee, and Weff all have one. So I guess I could have given Dr. Harvard another MVP. He survived the poison attack. Yeah, or uh, the lady on the phone who wasn't giving Orietta anything. It's true. She's good like, uh-huh. good job with the HIPAA there. That's yeah. Nice, hip, hip, nice hooray. Yeah. HIPAA, HIPAA, hooray. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we'll see. Uh, I did read something on the internet that apparently like the media that's covering the show doesn't like the Katano character. Like, I don't I think it was like Alan Seppenwall or somebody on the ringer maybe was saying they think the yeah. Katano character is like too broad. I like, I like that character. He's fun to watch. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah, I, I'm okay with, I'm okay with most of the fathers. But. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we will see where East to West goes next week. It is uh, episode nine of season four. So we'll have, we have three more episodes. We have East to West. We have Happy and Storia Americana. Or I guess I shouldn't have revealed the title of those three, but they don't really tell anything. It's so, okay. Um, yeah. So we'll be back with that. Um, in the meantime, if you do have feedback on the episode, you know, you have a very high likelihood of it getting read. If you mm-hmm. send an email, digestingdarkpod at gmail.com. And uh, you can get at us on Twitter as well, individually. I'm at Brooks ZA. I'm at Aaron J-A-Y Brooks. So, um, and uh, yeah, we'll be back next week to talk about season four, episode number nine, East to West. Uh, maybe we'll have more crazy bloodshed. We'll see if the Fadas take a shot back at the cannons and uh, what all happens in uh, in Kansas City, Missouri next week. Yep, sounds good. All right. See you guys later. See ya.